Yo, welcome back to the Take Two Podcast. My name is Kaylee, and today we are here with Travis and his wife, Cheryl. Um, and so to get things started, I'm going to let them just share a little bit of their story, how they met, um, what life looks like now, and then we'll dive into our topic after that. So Travis, why don't you start oh, us off? Thanks, Kaylee. Yeah, uh, we met here at Trine University, uh, previously Tri-State University. We were college students. I was a year ahead of Cheryl in school. And really it all revolved around CCH is kind of how we met. Though we did we did establish that we had a Chem 2 class. I was a sophomore. She was a freshman. She's smarter than I am. Um, and uh, But we didn't really know each other until later uh, when she got involved in the ministry and I was involved. Uh, we both found ourselves as leaders around CCH, just leading small groups and being involved. Um, and then we both moved into the houses, the guy's house and what was the girl's apartment, which was the mm. offices that are upside upstairs. The CCH. new girl's apartment. It was previously the campus minister's family's apartment and they really wanted to move out. And for them to move out, they needed girls to come move in and pay rent. So me and my friend Beth, we moved in. Yeah. yeah. And so I just remember... Um, the, the previous spring semester, actually, we, we both were leaders and, uh, I, I love telling this story cause I, I thought, man, there's something wrong. Like this girl, Cheryl, I don't think she likes me like just the vibe I was getting. And so I sat down and I said, I, with her and I just said, what, what's going on? You know, like have I done something? And she just said, um, you're bossy and I don't like you telling me what to do. And, <laughs> and I went, okay. <laughs> Um, and I learned, I learned a lot just in leadership through that. Well, then funny enough, the next fall, I remember moving in the guy's house and she moved in the girl's apartment and something had changed. She just really grown and matured. I could see it in her. And, uh, and I was just attracted to what I saw God doing in her life. And, and it was, it was through that. Then I just began to begin to pray. Um, Oh God, I'm noticing this girl and, uh, do you want me to pursue her? And uh, he just kind of gave me a wait sign, and God sometimes does that. And so uh, he did that for an entire year. Um, I waited and waited and waited. It was so good. I look back at my journal now. It was just amazing. And uh, um, what was a year later? My um, last semester, I guess, yeah. Yeah, your, yeah. your, your last semester. Your my plus last, semester. My plus semester and her her last semester and, uh, and, uh, when I sought to pursue her and it felt like God was lining things up and just giving me confirmation, uh, through my parents and, um, through my campus minister. And, uh, so I did a radical thing and I got her father's phone number secretly without her knowing. And, uh, we hadn't told each other we like each other or anything. I didn't even, I, I, I wasn't really sure if she did well, or not, but except that our campus minister and his wife were, they weren't very good at keeping secrets. So they kept, they kept telling us, whatever. <laughs> yeah, that's fine. And so I called her dad up and I took him, I went up to Ann Arbor, I took him out to lunch and I just said, I'd like to pursue your daughter in a relationship. And I really see this relationship being more than a relationship, but one that leads towards marriage and wanted really your blessing. And I'd never seen that before um, done and thought it was a good idea. And so I did it. And, uh, uh, but he was, I think honored through that. He gave his blessing and I came back and I shared with her, Hey, I like you. 
and uh, I want to pursue you in a relationship. And oh, by the way, I just had lunch with your dad. Mm. And uh, she <laughs> said, you're I was what? Pretty surprised. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And that was the start of our relationship. And I think five months later, I gave her a ring. And three, four months after that, we were married. And uh, June 2020, I was going to say 2020, June 2000. <laughs> <laughs> oh, those twos and zeros. <laughs> yes. And so we had started ministry here together that year and mm. got married that summer. And so right out of college, after doing a, we both did an internship with CCH. Um, yeah, we were the first CCH interns. Mm-hmm. Oh, I did not mm-hmm. know that. Yeah. Tino might have been before us, though. Okay. Well, I was definitely the first shot. women's intern because yeah. there weren't very many women around back then. All right. Top, right. top three. That's still <laughs> there. You there. Go. there you go. <laughs> <laughs> there might have been guys. That's true. Tino probably was before you, but yeah. there were so few female students mm-hmm. that tried to stay back then and then even fewer in the ministry, so... It was, though, they really started growing about then. So I think it's also maybe helpful to share that uh, coming to college, I was not a Christian. And uh, so part of like, I don't like you telling me what to do. I mean, I still don't really like people telling me what to do a lot these days. But, you know, I was coming out, I was coming here to major in chemical engineering and to just uh, go get a job. I was very career minded and very like, let me prove to, especially boys, because all the boys through school always gave me a hard time about being whatever, beating them in grades, whatever, them beating me in grades, you know, all that kind of competition stuff. So, um, that I became a Christian and it changed obviously like everything, uh, for me, even more my, even my, what I wanted from the future changed a lot and being able to submit myself to other people, no matter who it was, my parents, people in authority, whatever was, you know, a thing that changed a lot too. So, um, so that's part of why I didn't want to be told what to do. I didn't like people telling me what to do. I, I like being in charge. I still do, but um, <laughs> God's done a lot of transforming. And so my passion for uh, family and wife, actually, before I, when, before he asked me to start, we called it courting slash dating, whatever you want to call it, I was starting to pursue jobs in women's ministry, in campus ministry. So I wasn't even going to do engineering anymore. I wanted to go do women's ministry somewhere. Um, if I didn't get married. So then I just did it as a wife instead. So there you go. Um, yeah. So that was a big, um, our Randy and Andrea Dunning, we should tell them to listen to this later, but they had like <laughs> just enormous amounts of influence on us. Um, anywhere from, you know, that was our campus. Minister. Yeah. That was just, so Randy was a campus minister at CCH from ni- 1994 to 2001. And, um, you know, between and baptizing both of us, I mean, <laughs> Randy, I sat in his office one day and he asked me if I like thought I sinned. And I said, no, I don't, I don't sin. You know, like, I mean, I was very much very ignorant and very baby. Well, yeah. Going from baby Christian to growing. So he walked us through all of that. And his wife was, became like my closest friend and, you know, anything they did, we wanted to do. So a lot of, a lot of the way that shaped our ideas and concepts of a Christian family was from watching them. You know, they had three little kids when they were here and all those kids were on our wedding and Randy did our wedding and you know they were very influential on us and they were just they were influential in the ministry I mean I still uh I sometimes forget we've been here like seven or sorry three times longer than they have but I still feel like they set such a foundation that the whole trajectory was based on their (laughs) what they laid down and stuff so we just kept going from them yeah so that really so I didn't set out from a life of like raise kids and stay home and that wasn't what I came into came into my adulthood with so yeah mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. last summer I 
when I was with Pete Coco, I heard a, a cool story about you guys, and he was like, he's like, oh, so you, you work with Travis, and <laughs> I was like, yeah, yeah I'm at trying, you know, and He's like, well, I was at his baptism. Do you know that? And I was like, that's right. Pete, what? <laughs> I mean, I wasn't there because I was yeah. still in high school, but Pete, was Pete passing through or something? He came and spoke that night. I don't know what brought him to town, but he was friends with Randy. Oh, yeah. 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 He just shared how, how Randy was like, man, this guy's really like, there's just something about him. Like, he, you really got to just be here. You got to mm-hmm. meet him. And so Pete came over for your baptism after speaking. Yeah, I that's cool. yeah. think is how the story went, but mm-hmm. it's just really cool to hear that. And yeah, Isn't that it is. I think I have heard that, but yeah, yeah. I was May of 96. Right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I know you, you had said Cheryl, just about our vision for family. And, and that was something that I thought we, we ought to bring to this podcast is, is our vision for family and our, our, our vision for parenting and, and kind of my thoughts went to, my first thought was, was, well, these are college students primarily. They're not thinking that. But then actually, I had to think back to when I was a college student, and I was thinking about marriage and family and the influence mm-hmm. of others, like Randy and Andrea, kind of watching. And uh, I don't know if that's my personality or if everybody does that, but kind of watching the people that are like, a couple of stages ahead of me in life. And I found myself, I remember several summers as I just would drive to work, you know, we listened to what's called the radio <laughs> and there's like broadcasts on there. And, uh, before, and, before podcasts. And yeah. And there was uh, a ministry still around folks on the family. Love the ministry. If you don't know it, um, you should, you should dial into anything they do, but they just really want to support the family. And I remember just listening to their broadcast programs and they would bring people in and they would interview and people written books. And, and I was, I was just soaking it all in knowing that at some point I would be a husband, Lord willing, and a father, Lord willing. And and I just wanted to do that well. And probably then my vision for family, vision for being a dad and began to learn, oh, the great significance a father's voice has in his sons and in his daughters. Not to take anything away from moms, but but there was a role that I needed to step into and I needed to to lead in that way. Learned about just even just setting examples, modeling things in my own life. I can't be one person and say another, but modeling personal discipline and spending time with the Lord. And, um, and, uh, you know, I heard a story, um, um, a guy named Ashcroft, uh, he, he was in politics somewhere, but he'd always seen his father every morning when he came downstairs, he was reading the word and he was on his knees praying. And I just went, man, I want to be that dad, you know? And, and, and as I've stepped into that and it's been cool now that my adult children or teenage children, um, are modeling that in their own life. And I, I, only, I don't claim to take credit for that, but I just know that I've given them an example to follow in their personal relationship. Um, but as we talk about parenting, um, Cheryl, you had something to share. Oh, yeah. So when we were considering what to talk about in the podcast, I mean, we have shared up parenting through the years, but maybe not more recently. And Caleb had been reading, uh, maybe along with the Bible plan for the summer for CCH, and he last week or the week before I said, Hey mom, come read this verse with me that it's first Timothy three about the overseer and got to verse four, about he must manage his own family well and see that his children obey him. And he must do so in a manner worthy of full respect. 
and I, I, you know, we talked about it then a little bit about just how important parenting and family is. I think, you know, in that verse, it's, uh, showing that it's reflective of a person's character, um, and depth that they can manage on family well. But I just, it reminded me that, um, raising a family is a very important part of a Christian life. I mean, obviously not everyone, if you're not, uh, if you don't have children, you're not doing that, but it's when you get to that point, it's really important. And I often feel, I mean, even as we both were watching, we both are reading books, we're also listening to radio broadcasts and whatever. I still didn't feel very well prepared at different times, especially when we got to teenagers and stuff like that, that as with other things, there's a lot of things in life. I wish we did more schooling about, right? Like, how to buy a house or how to buy a car or how to invest money or here's one somebody needs to tell you how to like maintain your appliances like I think we were married for a long time well we didn't have a dishwasher first we got this house that we live in now and we had a dishwasher for a while and then one year I'm like I think you're supposed to like clean this thing out every once in a while you know and I go to the bottom of it and I put and like there's all this goopy stuff and I thought where in life was I supposed to learn about you know cleaning out you know so that's a long tangent but there are a lot of things that we don't even do enough learning about, in my opinion, that really matter, right? And so I definitely say parenting is one of those things that we don't prepare ourselves much for, and it's so important and valuable that we, I think we should. And I was even thinking this morning about how even when we don't have children, knowing what good things are is useful for everyone, right? You know, so um, even when um, I was around a young mom last week and she did something that was, you know, she had to discipline her child and the child didn't like it. And being able to tell her you're doing a good job because I know that that's the right thing to do is, is good. You know, like being able to encourage people and good parenting, right. is really important. Or maybe you have a relationship with a teenager and being able to encourage them to see what their parents are doing well and right, which oftentimes in a teenager's view is not what they want their parents to be doing, but good parenting is not always easy or what's the nicest right thing to do. So I think it's really useful and important for everyone. So yeah. Um, Mm-hmm. Part of our vision, I know, just uh, a scripture that is great to just meditate on. Deuteronomy 6, 6 and, and 7, uh, God's just talking to the people of Israel. And uh, and he's just, you know, Deuteronomy, he's, he's given commandments to him. He says, these commandments I give to you today uh, are, to, are to be on your heart. And then he says, impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road and when you lie down and when you get up and and the whole idea of that we invest in our faith and our relationship with Christ and then that needs to be passed down it doesn't just happen but but we need to be intentional to impress them upon uh, our children and and really they are our greatest ministry uh, that we have as I was just thinking, you know, CCH's mission is to make disciples. And really that's, um, that's what parenting is, is, you know, it's like the ultimate discipleship, right? Um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's the whole, one of the whole points. I mean, I mean, he wants to grow the church through the family. And, and I don't know if we talk about that quite, quite enough, you know, I mean, it's also why he says be fruitful and multiply in which we, we did our, our darndest there with my kids um, to, to follow that commandment, you know, uh, but, but then not just to have kids, but to then, um, you know, to share, to teach, to model right, wrong. Um, and in children, it's amazing. You, and, and this sounds horrible, but it is true. Somebody is going to indoctrinate your children. They're going to teach them what to think, how to think, and how to see the world. 
and it ought to be the parents and uh, um, not mm-hmm. not screens, you know, not ungodly people, um, but it should be me sharing that with them, you know. And so that probably was uh, our 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 aim and our goal in raising our kids mm-hmm. was discipling them, right? In some of the ways we did that, I think if we if we jump into parenting them at a young age, is we really wanted to teach them to obey mom and dad. And so we know scripturally uh, it tells children to obey their parents. And so one of the things we did, and we learned from other people too, a family family in town here uh, said that, that they expect their children to obey them first time, every time, all the time. And, uh, and that was just so good. Um, not a, uh, hey, do what I say after I count to three or something like that. But no, I said no, it's no. You know, I said, back up or don't touch, and you just you obey. Mm-hmm. And uh, if not, then um, with the little kids, there came maybe a little flick on their finger to just say, oh, I don't want to do that. I want to pull my hand back. And, and our goal with that was to teach them obedience, that they would obey our voice so that later in life they would obey God's voice in their life. Mm-hmm. And I... Um there are overarching principles that we think are really valuable that apply to everyone. And then there's like the way we've practiced them out. Right. And I think legalism is when we make the practices, the universal truth. Right. And, Mm and I, we, I know, and I always want to be really careful to not do that. Obviously homeschooling is one of those things I'm really careful about that. um, That's the way we've practiced things, but a lot of people can feel intimidated or whatever that that's not, you know, it's not everybody's practice. Right. But the principles are the same. So I think one of the principles for us with, children under the age of three, especially, is that, like, there's this, there's this quote, I wish I would have looked it up, from the secret garden, where this lady in the cottage says, you have to learn that you don't, the whole, you don't own the whole orange, you know, like, you're not, the whole earth is not yours, you only get a part of it, and I think, you know, little kids, they can really think they own the whole world, right, the whole yeah. world's all theirs, and I really think it's really important as parents, that when they're under the age of three, that you don't teach them, that you teach them that they don't, the world does not revolve around them. I mean, sure, they need love. And that's another really interesting principle in parenting, too, is this tension. There's this tension in lots of different things. And one of the biggest tensions is this tension between love and discipline, right? If you only love that little baby and every time they cry, you give them everything they want, they're going to think the whole earth revolves around them. They own mm-hmm. the whole orange, right? And obviously, I feel like in our society, it's very obvious to us that you can't just discipline, right? Like, you have to respond to that cry at times and you have to love, and we love kids pretty easily in our society. I, at mm-hmm. least I feel like I'm sure there's some out there that don't, you know, but like somehow holding those two things in tension of like, I love you and I think you're the most amazing thing in the whole world, but I also know you cannot run and rule everything and you have to learn to submit your will to someone else, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's, and that's, that's like the concept of that we talk about now of grace and truth. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, you, hold, you hold them in tension. Yeah. You, right. You can't have too much grace and you can't have too much mm-hmm. truth, but you mm-hmm. have to have them both. And, mm-hmm. and we see that often in our relationship with the Lord. So mm-hmm. it's, it's modeled the same in parenting. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that is, you know, another thing that, um, we, you were saying earlier that, you know, solid families are what really, keep a ch- the, the church if you take the church overall in the whole world going I mean churches are really important but you can't have good churches if you don't have good families right like and so we um maybe through the homeschooling movements or maybe just we saw we really saw that like the home and the family is where we really nurture spiritual growth and life and discipleship and stuff like that um and I think that the home is supposed to be really a training ground of seeing God's principles played out you know um 
that things like grace and truth, attention, and these, um, you know, that there is sin. And we, I mean, every family in home has sin in it. It's just how you deal with the sin that's really matters and important, right? You know, um, that we forgive each other, that we love even when it's not easy. You know, all of these things are what, you know, the home is supposed to be um, showing that. And yeah. Um, mm-hmm. I think after we train infants a lot after three, I was trying to think what we kind of move on to, um, like toddlerhood and some of those younger, those years of growth as children. Um, I will say this, this is, a, this is a practice thing, but I will say that I think it's an important practice thing to really be careful about is that we, we really do avoid screens and a lot of media. Um, I mean, we've been parenting for a long time, you know, we're, we're old, <laughs> right, Kaylee? So it wasn't such an issue back when little Isaac was little. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, though we were even careful then, I guess, compared to the society, right? Like we, oh, sure, you yeah. know, 20 or 30 minutes a day of a veggie tail VHS was was the quota. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's a big deal. It was. It, it was just enough to get me time to make dinner while he was distracted and, you know, mm-hmm. or hop in the shower or whatever I needed to do. Um, but we, I think it's really a big deal now. There's just, it's just easy from what I see people doing to stick a kid in front of a screen and they feel pacified and, you know, um, but I think the neurological consequences are pretty significant. And so I think if you're looking ahead to parenting, you really want to look into being careful about that. So, and we're pretty weird now. We don't have any iPads in the house and no video games. And I'm not saying everybody has to be that extreme in their practice, but, um, I think, yeah, some people like to comment sometimes about how mostly people just see Lydia now, you know, cause she's mm-hmm. the only one still in the child stage, but just even how she can just really focus on play by herself very contentedly for long mm-hmm. periods of time, even though she can't sit still for five minutes sitting in a, worship service like she's a she's a wiggle, wiggle worm but uh um I do think that a lot of that has come from just not the you know when there's something's electronic it's so much more exciting than those blocks or those little toys in front of you and so it's hard to be content with that when there's the lights on a screen and the music and everything else you know so that's been a pretty significant practicing that I'm really thankful we have been able to to keep in the house and stuff like that, keep out of the house, whatever you want to say. So, yeah, I think it's important to note, like you mentioned with Isaac, like what he was able to watch was a small portion, but it was what he was being influenced by was still very good. He yes. wasn't being influenced by whatever he could find on the internet or exactly, yeah, just any TV show, YouTube but it was, videos. it was something that you guys like picked and were like, this is going to influence him well. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And that, this 30 minutes to make dinner mm-hmm. was still being filled with something good and not just whatever yeah. worldly thing could have been put in front of him too. Though I do sometimes wonder if, you know, veggie tale visions of Bible stories don't screw you up. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I'm picturing like the Joshua Jericho and the purple Slurpees coming off the wall. I'm like, does that, does that mess you up with your body? I'm, I'm joking. But yeah. Just imagination. Yes. Being careful. <laughs> right? Yeah. I mean, but. movies and even books. And we try to read a lot of books in the house and try to like make the kids like reading. I mean, just, you know, whatever. It's good. It gives them a good, but, um, yeah. Careful about all those things, what you're putting in. Cause there's just, it's sadly, there's so much bad out there. It's, it makes me sad a lot. So I think sometimes, uh, because of some of the practices we've had, you know, we get a little pushback with, 
um, sheltering your kids or whatever, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, in, in, in homeschooling them, you can do that a whole lot more. Um, but, but the purpose though was, was our, our desire was that in time we would introduce them to the world, um, that, 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 you know, keeping one, their innocence, um, allowing that beauty to grow within them, mm-hmm. their imagination, their creativity, um, not constrained by outer pressures in the world um, because everybody wants to grow up so fast um, and whether it be you know um, they um, what they're exposed to whether it be language or conduct um, that that they're getting at a young young age it's it, it just ruins their innocence um, and the beauty that they were given during that time. But in time, our vision has been, we will introduce that to you, that content, that um, the, 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 the more of um, age appropriate to see the world for its brokenness that it is, whether that's sin and language or, um, you know, fornication or just different things that are just like, we'll introduce it. And that as we've been able to do that, one, we've laid a foundation um, that one, we're, we're looking at all of it from God's perspective and God's, God's word. Um, and uh, kind of through that lens, um, that then we can see right and wrong. We've been teaching you right, 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 right. Now let's introduce, here's wrong, here's wrong. And, and though we, you know, have been more conservative and, and some would say sheltering kids, at the same time, we have always never treated our children uh, like babies, I think when they were little, we talked to them with normal vocabulary, and we talked to them, and we we elevated who they were in that regard. Um, and uh, we, we might have baby Lydia a little bit, but don't tell anybody. Right, right, right. <laughs> it's kind, she, she's it's not allowed so to. Hard not to. <laughs> she's not allowed to grow up. She's our last. So, yeah. <laughs> um, but but with that, I don't know. Like, I mean, little Isaac had like an amazing vocabulary because he he just heard what we talked and around you it'd be know kind right of fun if we could video have like it'd be fun to have a video of isaac at nine years old so that's like lydia's age right now and so when he was around crowd of col- crowds of college students back then he would like command them like he was their military general like he i mean not command, he was just like okay guys let's go over here i mean he just it was yeah he, yeah it was pretty funny and fantastic so um <laughs> he probably thought because he thought he was their age too i'm pretty sure he thought mm-hmm. he was a college student from about the time he was five until yeah maybe he still does Mm. I mean, I think thinking of Caleb, I think back just a couple of years ago when he was like, uh, you know, a whole like foot and a half shorter mm-hmm. and was like a kid. Yeah, <laughs> and um, I remember like my friends and I were just always amazed. Like he was just so mature for his age and like mm-hmm. we could have real conversations with him, even though he was, you know, the beginning of middle school mm-hmm. and it, it was like pretty amazing. <laughs> so yeah. And, and, that was and he's part an, of a very intentional teenager now too. Mm-hmm. Like he's, he sat down the other day when we were at your house and was like, so Kaylee, how do you like your new car? Like, tell me all about it. And I was like, <laughs> I like, expect yeah. that from like a college student or a friend from church. But Caleb sat down and just asked away. Yeah. <laughs> it was really cool to, to be a part of, but we, we think he's pretty fantastic. Yeah. Too, so. we, um, we've but, been so grateful because like there's a mixture of our intentional parenting, but also the context that we've raised our family around college mm-hmm. students. And mm-hmm. so they just feel so comfortable and they, and so many students have um, had influence on all of our kids over the years. And just a shout out to 
all the alumni because mm-hmm. they have, and, and I learned a long time ago, I remember just meeting with a student and, and, um, and knowing that they came from a good Christian home, they went to a Christian school, and, and but then as they tell their story, their testimony, there would be someone else a youth minister or someone that had a huge influence. And I began to realize as a parent, my kids need other people in their lives to speak into their life. And uh, that's, that's important. It's not just me and Cheryl, you know, Mm -hmm. and the students have played a huge part in, in that as well as accepting, loving on them. But then they've modeled what they've seen us do Mm -hmm. with, with, with college students. Yeah. Yeah. And again, not, um, uh, this is a practice thing, but one of the things that drew us into homeschooling was um, a family locally that had, at the time when we were first married, had teenage kids, and we went to their house for a meal, and all of the kids, teenagers, everyone could talk to each other and talk to adults, like in just such a mature way that we were like, this is the kind of kids we want to raise too, you know, and I'm not saying that only homeschooling does that, but it definitely seems to help with that a lot of times because they're in a, around a variety of ages, you know, they're not so stuck to a peer group all the time. And so it, you know, um, and of course it's not true for everyone in every situation and everything, but that was one of the things that, um, we hoped would come out of that would be our kids would be able to, um, yeah, converse with everyone young and old right now, actually, like some of the kids are at home with a little friend of ours who's four years old and he's, yeah, everybody enjoys little kids too so mm-hmm. <laughs> pretty yeah. pretty fond of him too so yeah I've, I've not really thought about like how like being in your peer groups like that's a pretty common thing to not be able to talk to other age groups and and I like can't pinpoint exactly like what my parents taught me that like taught me how to communicate with other people but yeah I remember one of my first jobs with adults um, wasn't just like a bunch of kids being herded around <laughs> working together, but, um, we wouldn't like sit down for meals together. We worked in a kitchen and so we all got, you know, 15 minutes to eat the meal that we prepared. Yeah. And I would talk to anybody at the table That's awesome. and then we would get back to like the dish room. Cause all of us like young teenagers would be the dishwashers and yeah. all my friends were like, how do you just like talk to these people? And mm. I was like, Mm-hmm. they're just people yeah <laughs> yeah. You know, like, yeah but if it was yeah, your, yeah was it your parents or was it your again yeah. I mean some of these things aren't true for every situation mm-hmm. everyone you know um yeah but, but I know. haven't thought about like they were so just used to their peer group and to their siblings that yeah they didn't really have maybe they didn't a viewpoint have, on how to like talk to adults yeah maybe parents weren't talking that. at home or they didn't talk to grandparents a lot yeah. I mean like are there some other influences that made you or was it just who you were too mm-hmm. right like yeah mm-hmm yeah. Um, yeah, I think, I think just one of the key things of overall that I've observed, because now that we we're old, um, Cheryl, you're not that old. You don't have to say that. I'm old. <laughs> I, have to, I have to tell myself this. Just kidding. Um, really the key of all of it all is really to be an authentic person yourself. You know, I mean, you can be tempted to parent in a way that it makes it just look good to everyone else, right? I just want my kid to behave themselves when we're out at the store because of what it looks like to other people or um, maybe even sometimes more for homeschoolers because they feel like they're trying to prove it to the world. You can try to make sure your kids look good to everyone like that. Like I want them to make sure they can look talk to everyone, you know, or I want mm-hmm. I want to show they're really smart. So I need them to recite, you know, Latin or something or whatever. Um, by the way, you should, if, I don't know if Lydia, sometimes you should ask Lydia though about, reciting poetry for you only because it's really adorable and I'm not trying to brag it's just really cute but um <laughs> she might not know any right now though because it's summertime but um 
it it just it's it's a killer though it actually if you are not authentic and if you are trying to do things because you're trying to show it to everybody else I think it's one of the it's a family killer actually a parent killer really kills it when people are teenagers you know they um they see right through that and and it feels really fake to them you know and so um authenticity as a person yourself and authenticity of your relationship with God and authenticity of just loving people and loving your family at home we went to a workshop one time a parenting workshop at a homeschool convention and the I wasn't even at it Travis was at it a guy named Todd Wilson who has a ministry out of Indiana here called the family man he's really funny um what the, this wasn't funny. This was serious. He said, your kids know you love them because you feed them and you clothe them and whatever else, but do they know you like them? And I mean, literally it changed my whole direction of my parenting. Like, and I thought to myself, here, I'm a homeschool mom. The kids are home with me all day. If they don't, if I'm not nice to them, like they're going to spend all day. No one's going to be nice to them. It's just me and them at home, you know? So I start trying to think, how can I be nice to them? You know, like I need them to, they need to know I like them. And I want to like them, you know, I started also praying for God to just help me to like, like my life, you know, I didn't necessarily always love being home and, um, being just with the kids. I mean, it was lonely at first when we got married, we took some personality tests and I was like a 10 out of 10 on the social scale, like super (laughs) extroverted. Right. You know, and then all of a sudden one day we had had baby Isaac and it's just me and Isaac at home. And I was, I was crying a lot, (laughs) like maybe not a lot because I don't cry a lot, but I wasn't very happy. Right. So you know, it took a while. It took a lot of years of, I mean, you get used to it, but then also me just finally asking God, God, I want to love this. I, this is to what I know I'm called to do because it's, it's what matters to me the most, you know, even if it isn't easy, even if it isn't even in my, like my personality gifting, I might actually be more gifted running like a company or being a CEO or doing something else, you know, mm-hmm. but like, this is what I know I want to do because that matters the most, you know? So I just started praying for God to help me like want to be there and love to be there. And it, he answered, it's been, that's even been a while ago where I just know that that's what I want to do and I love it and, um, wanting to embrace it. Um, but yeah, so I do think that the authenticity, like the being real. And of course I think, man, in today's climate, I sometimes ponder, like, it'd be interesting to be newly married now and starting to have children and have lived with social media for so many years already in my life. And then wondering if that would shape my thinking to think that, you know, the social, the, the fake part of social media, you know, that everything needs to look good to everybody else. Something like that. That'd be really dangerous as a parent and stuff. So, yeah. And, and it's hard to know if you're being authentic, like who you are and, and, but you're talking about motives on why we're parenting and why we're wanting them to be mm-hmm. obedient mm-hmm. and this and that. And, and our, our vision is, has to be on, uh, on training them to be a disciple of Jesus, not so much to reflect me. And then it's so hard in parenting because so much of your children is a reflection of you. And like, why do you want them to succeed in life? Well, I mean, if I'm honest, sometimes my pride gets in there and it's like, well, you know, I want them to go get a job, make lots of money. And like, um, and that just makes me feel, makes me feel successful. Mm -hmm. And it's like, oh man, so much more than that. And so, I mean, I I remember, you know, I, I, I received a note from, from one of my girls and, and it was probably in a card, a birthday card or father's day card. And there was a line in there that meant so much to me because they said, dad, who you are in public is who you are at home. You know, thanks for just being consistent. And I just thought, wow, like that, that is, they're, they're watching that. My point mm-hmm. in sharing that, like they're, they're seeing that I don't necessarily even know that about myself, right? Like, and you're I, not even doing it 
for them. You're doing it because it's the right thing to do. That's my, that's one, that's the thing I say a lot at home. We're just doing this because it's the right thing to do, right? Um, I, yeah, I'm not doing it to please them. I'm not doing it to impress them. But, but if I'm pursuing Jesus Christ, that ought to be true, right? Like there ought to be an authenticity. They ought to see when I mess up too, right? And they ought to see me, you know, ask for apologies and ask for forgiveness. And, uh, um, yeah. I was reading, um, don't be too impressed. I don't really finish books very often. So, but <laughs> this book was actually on next to my bed and I must've started a long time ago. And then I found it again a month or two ago. It's actually from Eugene Peterson, which I think it sparked me because the fall retreat speaker was a fall retreat. Winter retreat, fall retreat speaker. Fall retreat. He, he brought up Peterson and like his biography and stuff. And so it's called like do your youth and it's growing up with your teenager. It is really good. And I would say that when we got to raising teenagers, we were a little unprepared for that. And we've been doing that for a while now. So maybe we're, but it was, it's just parenting changes in teenagers. But this is also very true. And we are aware of this, that this is what uh, Eugene Peterson says. Does good parenting guarantee good children? A lot of parents assume that it does, and that if we do a responsible, intelligent job as mothers and fathers, if we provide a Christian home and are faithful in our prayers, if we raise our children in the nurture and admonition of the Lord, our children are going to turn out well. But there are precious few facts to support the assumption. One does not have to look around very long to observe some simply magnificent people who come from absolutely wretched homes and some very troubled people who have been reared in stable, responsible Christian homes even allowing for the facts that appearances are misleading, that the alcoholic father and the prostitute mother really had a heart of gold, which accounts for the fact that their son is kindly successful in physician. And the pillar of the church parents were first-class Pharisees and had a most deserved, I don't know the word, in the <laughs> sordid miseries of their daughter. Still, there are enough exceptions of good parents produce good children that it can hardly be held as a comfortable truth. That's kind of sobering. It's maybe, uh, and so I don't, I think we share lots of truths and principles on, on here today just to, say because he also does say here too the job of a christian home is to show kids what are good and it's our job to do the best job we can but a lot of the comments of this book and comments in general is like you know kids still have to choose it right and uh it's got to be your it's got to be their choice um but hopefully your home and your family show them what is good and they know that's good and if they go out and choose the bad they at least know that they're choosing the bad because they know what the good is right you know um i think another so some in teenagers, I think one of the things we've tried to do is to uh, have fun together. That's a really important part. And I read some things through the years, too, that, like, you know, a lot of times teenagers rebel and they go somewhere else because home and family is so boring that there's, you know, they need, they want fun, you know, they're social fun, they want fun, right? So um, we've tried to have fun with them. And I think some parents are caught off guard, um, and we probably were too, but now I'm, like I said, we've been reading, Lydia and I have this little joke that she's been, she's had a teenager in her life since she was about, oh, what, how old was she? Let's see. About eight months old. She's always lived with teenagers since she was eight months old. So we've had teenagers <laughs> in the house for almost nine years now. Um, and that's a good thing. It hasn't been like the trauma that maybe the reputation has, but um, that teenagers take more time too. So I think there's a parenting, obviously little children is very intensive, right? Under five, but five to 10 is kind of some years of less intensity and they're growing and learning and it's, it's very fun and enjoyable. Very, they're very impressionable from five to 10 though, but somewhere around 10, 10 to 13, they need more of your time again. You know, they need more relationship. They need, they, uh, they just need more they want to talk more about things. They're, they're processing a lot more and stuff like that. So, and some, and they also need outside influences like we were saying too. So, um, yeah. Oh. Well, I was going to say with teenagers that 
they are, um, they're, they're, they're like, they're like a bird that's ready to spread its wings and fly, but they're not exactly ready to just, I don't know, like live life and make all their own decisions and like head out into the wilderness and they still need so much more guidance. And so the tension with children, with teenage children is, is like, um, as parents, we, we want them to start stretching their wings out, but it's got to be in confined areas and space and that, that we can then still influence, have a voice in and help guide them in making these very, very important decisions in those <laughs> teenage years as to who they are, who they're going to run with and, y- you know, what they're going to pursue in life and what's important to them and who they're going to date. You know, oh. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. Like these things that are just big decisions, you know? And so, um, but, but there's sometimes I, I, I say tension because they just want everything. Like they want, they want the world, but they're not ready for the world. Like, let's be honest, you know, they're 15 years old. They're immature, mm-hmm. you know, and, and even, you know, and, and then we get into adults and uh, college students and parenting adults. We and are they, old, Kaylee. We have a college graduate. And, We're old. And, and so, and so now they are like needing to stretch their wings out and fly. And, and if we've done our job well, they should be able to handle life, manage life, and make wise decisions, right? And, uh, you know, Proverbs 22, you know, train up a child uh, in the way they should go. And even when they're older, they will not depart from it. You know, and I think at last part, it's not a promise that every kid you train up is is going to do the right thing because they've got to make the decisions. And what we're learning with adult children is that they are hard to to parent or be parents of because, and this has been told to me by like four different people at different times. Um, they, they say, well, their problems are bigger. Um, their uh, consequences are greater and it costs more um, and they don't listen to you, you know? So parenting adult <laughs> children is, is harder, you know? It is um, really delicate. You know, in, in that regard. Um, and, but you're still there. You're still a voice in their life, but... You're just a voice and they're going to have to make those decisions, you know? Um, And I think what's also super interesting right now is they say that they don't even say adult at 18. Now they're saying emerging adult up to 30. I don't know. This is just whoever they are, you know, I don't know who they are, but, and so I think it's interesting because uh, somehow through our society, you know, people aren't general. And I'm saying people in general, like I'm not saying you Kaylee, I'm just saying in general people in that age group are maybe not able to handle the same things at 20, that the generations before them did for whatever reason. I mean, we could speculate, but I don't even know. And so it's interesting um, then as a parent of a generation before them, you know, like why can't you handle this when you're 20 or whatever, 25 or whatever, but you know, whatever societally. um, Yeah. It's, it's a, it's a, it's a real delicate dance. I'm noticing adult children, but at the same time, I mean, some of my uh, friends who have adult children already, they say it's also like the, reward you know hanging out with our adult children is really fun and we do too we do we we like all uh, hanging out with everybody all of them some of them give us a little hard time than others right but we do enjoy hanging out with all of them so and I don't think we're qualified to anything we we don't we'll uh, we'll have to come back in 10 years to give you our adult parenting uh, tips (laughs) (laughs) we've gone through it a while yeah we have learned that with teenagers and adult children that like the times they want to really like 
open up and share and talk about life is usually late at night. Mm-hmm. And so parent from the parenting standpoint, like, yeah, like you're getting ready to go to bed at 11 o'clock. Yeah, they're just wanting to talk. And I can't mm-hmm. tell you how many late nights we've had. They were like the best conversations and times when, um, what would your mom say that like, I don't know, it was like a clam, you know, shell. She was talking about teenage boys. Teenage boys, yeah. yeah, that like every once in a while they open up and, and you, you get find to see the pearl, the pearl in there, you know. And when and they so do, you better it, just be there and ready you, to you talk and be, listen. Yeah. You better be there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I'm definitely grateful that my dad is like a late night guy because <laughs> when I go home, we're usually up until mm-hmm. I I was just home this past Friday and we didn't go inside until midnight. So, mm-hmm. <laughs> did you buy him some extra coffee on Saturday? He doesn't drink coffee. So oh, he, he was good. He's out of bed way before I was. <laughs> wow, what a guy! So, what a guy! Yeah, yeah, he's good. It's not always us. We're dragging the next. Shout day. out to T. Roy there. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I wanted to, Travis, we've talked about this a little bit, but um, you read a book this past year called Parenting Your Adult Children. Mm-hmm. Is that what, what yeah. the title of it was? Mm-hmm. And it was good for me to listen as you talked with the staff. Mm-hmm. You're like, yeah, man, I'm reading this book, and it's like really good. And as an adult child, like <laughs> there were things that resonated with me. And, yeah, I would just love to hear more about that. I think that would be good for, mm-hmm. especially, like, people that are, Right. The people that are listening to this that are mm-hmm. adult children and mm-hmm. are figuring out what that's like for the first time, much yes. like their parents are learning how right. to be Ex- parents. Exactly. And that. and that is that is true. I we mean, both, right? you know, kids, your parents are still learning, you know, so they're they're not going to do it all right mm-hmm. all the time. And there's so much grace that needs to go back and forth with uh you know with with parents and and with the it's so much the easier when you're children. five <laughs> it, 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 everything's black and white you know and it's not later on you know and and mm-hmm. one of the things that you know remember talk and remember is that you know especially in intentional parenting and that's the word that has stuck with me that i just want to encourage people to be in to, to intentionally parent train their children uh and uh, whether that looks like you homeschool or you send your kids off to public school, I just think you got to be intentional so much. And so, but then what happens is, is, is so I'm intentional. I'm in your life. I'm in your life. I'm in your life. Um, I'm a part of all of that. And then the older you get, you move into adulthood is I'm, I'm maybe not the primary voice because your voice is your primary voice and there's a shift that happens there um and uh but but i still care just as much as i did before mm-hmm. and guess what i still have a lot of opinions <laughs> and thoughts and ideas that you know they might be worth listening to you know um but you know you're stretching your wings and you're thinking you got this and that's natural you know, um, and you know, the, the, the author was just talking about how, you know, when, when your son or daughter comes to you for, um, they got problems and, and they just want to share them with you, you want to help them and give them guidance and advice, but they actually just want you to listen. They, they don't really want, um, your input because your input can be felt like criticism, um, not as helpful as you think. And it's helped me to then, be a better listener and 
you know, maybe we're trying to ask questions more, right? Not just tell like, so what do you think about this? Or how do you think you should handle this? Trying, we're trying. Exactly. (laughs) Heather Roby, who came and talked to the staff uh, about being a coach and coaching, Mm -hmm. right? Was all about parenting adult children is really what it was because how do you be a coach? Uh, and, And a personal coach is they ask the question. They don't give the answer. They just keep asking the next question and the next question. And it's not yeah. easy. I think it's, another reason to give your parents grace if you're an adult child is if there's younger siblings at home because, um, of course, we have a very wide age range, 12 years, right? But flipping that switch of which kid I'm working, you know, it's better now. But, you know, when Lydia's three and Isaac's, well, she was five. Isaac goes off to college and she's five. And just fl- flipping that parenting switch, like, okay, I'm, parenting, I'm talking to a teenager right now and I'm talking to a five-year-old, you know, like, which ones do I'm, am I telling my directions to? Which ones am I asking questions? You know, I think just... Even if not, just your parents flipping into that mm-hmm. kind of is hard. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it seems like kind of going back to like what you said at the beginning, Cheryl. There's all these things um, in adulthood that nobody taught us how to do. <laughs> yeah, mm-hmm. and as parents, you just want to teach kids. Yes, like especially when they're like figuring out adulthood. Yeah, hey, don't make these same mistakes that I made. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and oftentimes that comes in the form of advice or telling them like how to do something. And then as an adult kid, I'm like, no, well, that's not what I asked for. Yeah. <laughs> or like, stop telling me what to do. You keep telling me what to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I was like, I just wanted you to listen. I'll ask for the advice when I really think I need it. <laughs> right. Right. Because um, it's apparent early on, like I'm protecting my children from, from harm. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, like I don't want them to run out in the street. And so I teach them where to stop so they don't run out in the street yeah. and hit by a car, you know, and, and, and. My goal is to protect and to provide for them. And then when they get older, it's like, well, my job isn't to protect them anymore or provide for them. And that's hard. And letting them make their own mistakes is really hard, right? But as you said, too, also, they're trying to maybe give you what they didn't have, too, right? But yeah, yeah, letting, letting, letting teenagers and and adult children make their own mistakes is so, yeah, right. It's not easy. You don't want your children to fail, (laughs) you know, or get (laughs) fired or kicked out of an apartment because they can't pay their bills or whatever like but man if they probably don't need to learn, learn lessons on their own. yeah and uh mm-hmm. sometimes i think being such a caring parent unintentional maybe is a little bit of a uh hindrance nope. or a weakness when you get on this end right mm-hmm. like you know you care care you love 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 and then you actually really probably have to let go more and i wouldn't say my uh, letting go is not my specialty yeah <laughs> Uh, so it's a dance it's a it's a delicate it's a delicate thing to move into phases of being motion eventually you should really just be more like mutual friends right Mm -hmm. i mean they're still your parents but you know more mutuality and i think i think the one thing i would say if two people that are adult children is grow up though too right like since your generation struggles to grow up like fight against that you know and be more mature than maybe is seen in your society around you right you know whatever that looks like if it means you you do your part when you're home of helping with whatever needs to be done right or I don't know one thing I struggled to grow up on which I wouldn't even say I struggled that much but like there'd be family events people are supposed to bring food it took me more years than it should have to be like oh yeah I should bring food along too my mom and dad aren't gonna do that for me anymore you know yeah. <laughs> like just that's just a small example of this like where we should be more mature right we need to see ourselves as the adults and um and that helps your parents too. I think when you uh, are showing signs of growing up, then they're like, "Wow, <laughs> look at Kaylee!" Yeah. You know what I mean? And then, um, and they're they're proud of you, and they just see that. And then, uh, man, that just um, 
they've invested a lot in you and then they get to see that and then they it, it kind of builds builds some trust and mm-hmm. they'll go you know what she's got this mm-hmm. she'll figure this out yeah <laughs> yeah and I, I think something that's true that you guys said is like at some point you want to be friends with your adult children mm-hmm. and I've like witnessed that in my parents where they're like they just want to be friends with my brother and I mm-hmm. now <laughs> and um, and we've really and it's kept like, that in mind. It's mm-hmm. really like, it's a lot of fun. Like I, I tell my parents pretty often, I'm like, oh, I just asked my dad recently. I was like, hey, if I bring some of my friends from here up to hang out. And he's like, why do, why do your friends want to hang out with us? And I was like, because I think you're cool. <laughs> like, <laughs> like of course, I want to bring my friends to see you and like get awesome. to know you. And so that's that's very like a real thing like your parents mm-hmm. do want they do. to be your friend mm-hmm. and i think that they probably will feel bad i mean possibly there's some societal things that make them feel like you're not they're not supposed to be but mm-hmm. i think yeah i mean that they can be your friends and it's um it's different when you're raising a kid versus an adult mm-hmm. friendship mm-hmm. i think matters oh yeah for the sure. way you act as friends matters mm-hmm. in different seasons of yeah different and stages was, of life I'm keeping that in mind especially when we're doing high school and, and homeschooling is a lot of intensive relationship and I want to make sure that the relationship's important enough that I'm not just looking right now I want 20 years from now mm-hmm. you know so I want to I want us to get along now because I want us still getting along 20 years from now right yeah. you know if at all possible and yeah because what we, I can control of that right we so. want a home that like our adult children later on want to come back yeah. to and mm-hmm. want to spend time with us and with each other that's 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 our dream. Mm-hmm. That's, that, that's our picture, and not not in a bad way. I mean, not in, not in a we're trying to keep you here. We want to send you off too. You know, yeah. like we're not trying to uh, only make it about us. And you know, we want to send you off like arrows, and we're shooting you out in the world to do whatever God's calling you to do. And mm-hmm. you know, but we sure would love to have a good. And I mean, of course, I really want the grandbabies coming home. So. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> not thinking about that yet, but um. <laughs> no, 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 no. Just we just like little kids, you know. So yes, we do. Yeah. <laughs> A lot. That's yeah. That's then the you truth. then you get to step into the fun role where you don't have to be the disciplinary <laughs> all right. the time. Exactly. And yeah. You just get to love and care and play. Exactly. <laughs> yes. Be all the love. All the love. Someone Maybe. else will Help do the truth. Parent Maybe your adult discipline. children even more. <laughs> exactly. Hmm, there we go. It's going. It comes full circle then, doesn't it? Yeah. So. Yeah. Well, we're getting close to the end of the episode here. Do you guys have anything? That you wanted to talk about, we haven't gotten to, to yet, or any last like words of advice or wisdom you'd like to share? I think I have, as a father, in, in stepping into that role, have developed a, a better understanding of my Heavenly Father. And, and one, have learned from Him how to be a father. Um, and at the same hand, I then just feel like I know my father so much better uh, because I've stepped into that role because I've looked at who God is and how he what holds grace and truth in tension with one another and he's both of these things and um, and there's right and there's wrong and he wants the best but sometimes there's discipline and uh, and sometimes it's hard and uh, sometimes he you know obviously he lets me make my own decisions too and my own mistakes and I look back and I go man God I, I probably just really hurt you so many times when you just wanted so much better for me and um, and I just I just fumbled over myself you know I just was living and walking in sin and but, but you didn't correct that you didn't pull that out you didn't like 
make me do the right thing. You, you let me walk through that. And that perspective, especially with adult children, man, that's true. Younger, a lot of instruction, a lot of encouragement, a lot of laying the foundation, um, like with a new Christian and uh, when we're discipling and raising up. And so that's a little bit of my heart and a little bit of um, what I see in Scripture and how I read it and how it benefits me as a dad and how it benefits me in knowing my father. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think my last comment would just be that I think marriage and parenting both are tools God uses to refine us. Um, I even one time had a friend say that she would consider them spiritual disciplines, like somebody should rewrite the spiritual discipline book and put like motherhood in there. I mean, when you have a significant amount of time that you actually don't get to do what you want to do because you have to do what your motherhood calling is or even both parenting fatherhood calling to, you know, God, but God uses a lot of all of that to refine you. You know, um, you can't really have a, if you have a bad day when you're a mom for sure, it, the whole the whole house goes bad, you know. So it just really causes you to have to work on who you are, you know, and your weaknesses. You have to work on those because you know. So I think realizing that the what God does in these things, um, and also that they're hard, you know, like it, it, we've. I mean, there's lots of good and lots of joy, but it's a lots of sacrifice and lots of lots of hard work too. So that would be my last comment. Yeah. All right. Well, guys, thank you for being here. Thank you for sharing mm-hmm. with Thanks us. Thanks for having us. Uh, Thanks for having us, Kaylee. It's very good. So good. For those of you listening, um, if you need any information on the Take Two podcast or anything else going on with CCH, check out the CCH Trine app. Follow us on social media. And if you're listening to this when it comes out um, at the end of June, make sure you sign up for the summer retreat because it will be on the day of the deadline. So we will see you guys soon. Um, Yeah, have a great week.